0: Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Turn to the book of Leviticus. Oh, it's going to be good tonight. The book of Leviticus chapter 16. I'm going to preach a message from the book of Leviticus. Wow. I mean, that's, that's only you know, I don't, all the word of God is precious to me, but in some people's thinking, Leviticus is only slightly better than the book of Numbers. (laughs) But as I shared with the, as shared with our students today, if you'll really allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you'll see Jesus and you'll see the provision of God and you'll see the promises of God and the faithfulness of God in every chapter of every book and every verse in every one of those. I mean, you read numbers and it's genealogy after genealogy after genealogy. So-and-so begot so-and-so, and they married so-and-so and had sons and daughters and lived 147 years and died, and so-and-so. And you're like, what's the point? The faithfulness of God. From generation to generation, from family to family, from father to son, mother to daughter, the faithfulness of God and God to God's people. See, the Bible, the Bible addresses everything. So, the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 16, we stand for the reading of God's word. If you could stand with me, that would be amazing. Leviticus chapter 16, and we're going to be reading from the New King James Version. Sorry, media guys, I didn't get you the passage, Um, so if you can find it, that's great. One moment, electronic devices, you know. All right, there we go. All right, Leviticus chapter 16, beginning in verse one. New King James Version. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they had offered profane fire before the Lord and died. Think on that for just a moment. Aaron's the high priest. His sons were in line to become high priest after he died, but they he outlived them because they offered... <laughs> strange fire. Uh, what does that mean? They offered things that were not uh, consecrated to the Lord. They didn't follow the Lord's instructions. Um, again, y'all y- 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 know for, if those of you heard me preach just just bear with me okay'll we'll get we'll get back in the text. Uh, I did something to the students today that some of them were like, really? I gave them a test today. Now first day of class and you're going to give your students a test absolutely And it was 10 questions. And the instructions were, read every question on this paper before you answer a single one of them. So they started answering the questions before reading all of them, because question number 10 said, do not answer a single question on this test, simply write your name at the top and you're done. So I I passed it out and they... I'm like, read the instructions and go for it. God will bless you. It's a, I know it's a surprise. So I'm looking and people are starting to write. And his question's like, when was the war of 1812 fought? You know, it was just questions like that. Okay. And they're answering and going through. And then you could see it as they got to question 10. Some of them were like, really? Oh, man. My, my point was to show them, look, we might think we got it down. We might think we know this thing called Christianity. We might think we know all about God and how to serve him. But he's given us an instruction book, and we need to follow his instructions. And we need to do it as he says do it, not do it in some way that we're like, God, I got this because I've been doing this a long time. But, Lord, what do you say? What do you have to say, Lord? So back to our text. Verse 2. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Verse three, thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with the linen sash and with the linen turban turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Stay with me. Verse 6, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, and, one, and the other lot for the scapegoat. Verse 9, and Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Verse 11, and Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. And he shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord that a cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the ark of the testimony, lest he die. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side and before the mercy seat, uh, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. And he shall kill the goat, verse 15, of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. And sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. Verse 17, there shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the assembly of Israel. Last verse, or excuse me, next to last verse, verse 18. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times, cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth of your word tonight. Lord, we ask God in this time that we have remaining tonight that you would speak to us from your holy word. We give you praise, Jesus, in your name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, some of you might be like, wow, what does all that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to tell you, okay? You may not realize this, but this is an important week and a very important day in the history of God's people, the Jews. Today is the Day of Atonement. We just talked about and read from Scripture how God established what was referred to as the Atonement. This week, Jews celebrated what's known as Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, or the Day of Propitiation. Now, Yom Kippur, the definition of Yom Kippur is the most solemn religious fast of the Jewish year. The last of the ten days of penitence that begin with Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. So you may have heard or um, someone may have shared with you or you may know, like if you look on your calendar now, you'll see all kind of dates and you'll see Rosh Hashanah on a particular day. If you didn't know what that meant, that's the beginning of the New Year Jewish calendar. And then 10 days later, you might see on your calendar the word Yom Kippur. What is that? It's the Day of Atonement, that for the first Ten days of the new year of the Jewish calendar, people are are realizing that they need to have their sins forgiven under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament, that they need to make atonement for their sins, and it culminated on the Day of Atonement. Now, the Day of Atonement is the most important day in the Jewish faith, and you might be saying, but, Minister Barry, we're not Jewish unless you are, but we're not Jewish, you know, what's, what's the deal? You and I may not be Jewish, but let me tell you, church, the Day of Atonement has huge importance to you and I, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So you're going to class, you're going to school tonight, you're going to learn some stuff, all right? So the Day of Atonement or the Day of Propitiation, now what does propitiation mean? You know, we used to, growing up in, in the church, you used to hear words like justification, sanctification, glorification, propitiation, all of those words that sometimes we don't use anymore because we think they, 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 we need different words. It's kind of like I heard somebody say, why do you need to use the word saved? Why can't you come up with a different word? Because I'm just going to be honest, there's not a better word. I needed saved. I needed saved from my sins. I needed saved from myself. I needed saved from the world around me. And there is not a better word than the word saved. And I don't think we need to forget some of these words that were pillars of the faith, like propitiation. Propitiation literally means to appease. So if you, if you offend somebody, if you steal from somebody, if you do, if you do wrong by somebody and you, and, and you find out about it and they're real mad at you and judgment's coming and wrath is coming, you need some propitiation. You need some appeasement. You need something that makes that wrath that is set up to punish whatever happened to, to not come upon you. So the Day of Atonement, the Day of Propitiation, is a very crucial day for you and I, whether we're Jewish or not. All right. Now, the the word atonement is an Anglo-Saxon word that means at-one-ment. at one meant. When sin entered the world through the actions of Adam and Eve, their disobedience, man who was before that living in perfection, living in paradise, living in perfect communion and harmony with God. You know, Adam and Eve had it really good. And it was set up for all of us to follow after them, having it really good. Now, they messed it up, and you might be like, well, that wasn't me, and I wouldn't have done it. Well, maybe you might feel that, but the point is they messed up, and because of it, we all have to deal with it. Some people choose to deal with it by saying, I don't really believe in any of that. I'm just going to live my life however I want to. Others deal with it by being really angry and saying, wait till I see Adam and Eve because I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Well, if you have that attitude, you might not be seeing Adam and Eve. But anyway... (laughs) The pro- the, a problem arose when Adam and Eve disobeyed, and sinned. Sin entered the world, and because sin entered the world, there was a separation between God and man. Now, again, I'm going to refer a lot because I've been preaching a lot today, and so it all kind of blends. I shared with the KSM students that Christianity is the only religion in the world where God is reaching down to humanity. Every other major religion in the world is a picture of humanity striving, working really hard, trying to figure out how they can make the God up there happy with them so he doesn't wipe them out. But Christianity is God in heaven, the creator, who has every right to say, You get what you deserve. say, no, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to shower my love upon you because I love you because God intended and intends for you and I to still function the same way and under the same conditions that he told Adam and Eve. He put them in the Garden of Eden, paradise, perfect perfection, no sin, as close to being Um, the perfect human beings as humanity was ever going to be until we go to heaven. And he said, now be fruitful and multiply. Take dominion over the earth, which means take responsibility for it. Subdue it and advance the family of God. That's still our mandate from the Lord. We are to be fruitful. We're to be full of the fruit of the spirit. Oh, okay, I'll go here, Holy Spirit. It's not fruits of the spirit. If you're in KSM, you've heard me say this before. There's gifts of the spirit. But the Bible is very specific in how it talks. It says fruit, singular. Well, I thought it was love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That sounds like more than one. No, I'm simply here to tell you tonight that if you understand that properly, if you have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you are lacking in love, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. If you are lacking in self-control, you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. If you're lacking in patience, it's not a buffet. I think today I'll take some love and I'll take some self-control and I'll take some goodness and kindness, but patience, no, I don't want any of that today. That's not how it works, okay? So God wants you and I to be fruitful, to, to to exhibit the fruit of the spirit that God has got complete control. He has transformed and changed us. And by doing so, we are taking dominion. We are responsible for this planet Now, it's all going to burn and it's all going to be recreated. Read Peter, read Revelation. It's all going to be there's a new heaven and new earth coming wherein dwelleth righteousness and we get to be with God forever. There is no sun. There is no because Jesus is the light. Glorious time. But until then, we're responsible. We're responsible for the lost and dying, the bruised and the broken, the hurt and the busted and disgusted. We are responsible to get out there, to compel them to come in so that the Father's house may be full. We're to take dominion. We're to take over. That's right. Too long the church has sat back and, and said, what are we going to do about the world? Like, like John Eldridge said, I think it's time we start operating that the world needs to figure out what they're going to do with us. Because the mandate from the Lord is to take dominion to advance the kingdom And I got to get back to my notes. so We're never going to get through this. All right. So atonement means at one minute. So man suddenly had a problem. But God said, I'm going to solve the problem. I'm going to make something available to you. And what that is, is atonement is the process of God and man being made one again at one minute. The relationship that God intends to have with humanity being restored through the atonement. Thing of the Gulf, if you will, the the the. The space between us and God that sin caused and bringing peace and unity. Isaiah 59 2 says this, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Literally, church, our sins separate us and, and keep us separated from God if we don't repent of them, if we don't get forgiveness for them. Now, for early Jewish believers in the, in the New Testament, the Day of Atonement was very sacred and very important, and it's very important for you and I as well today. Why, Minister Barry, why is the Day of Atonement very important to us? Well, I'll give you two reasons tonight. Number one is it's a shadow of what would be fulfilled in Christ. Now, you've heard Pastor Daniel say this, that much of the Old Testament is recorded so that we won't make the same mistakes that the Jewish people did. What do you mean by that? They were the people of God. God said, I am your God. You are my people. If you follow after me, I will protect you. I will provide for you. I will watch over you. I will take care of you. I will heal you. I will, all these things God said he would do if they would simply follow him and obey His what he said but over and over again especially in the book of judges but most of the old testament Israel sinned Israel did sin before God Israel followed after idols Israel got caught up in this got caught up in that they couldn't get they couldn't get it right so the old testament is recorded so we read these stories and we go I don't want to make that mistake I don't want to be held captive. Israel got taken into captivity. They got taken in. Uh, the, the tri- I don't have time to go through all of it. But they got taken into captivity. They got led away. They were made slaves in bondage. They got killed. All because they wouldn't stay faithful to the commitment and the covenant that they said they would make with God. So the Old Testament is types and Shadows. You know, when you, when you see the shadow of something, you're not seeing the full image. You're just seeing a, a reflection or something that points. When there's a shadow, you know there's something there that the, that's causing, that the, is, is making the shadow appear. So the Old Testament is full of types and shadows that Jesus came to fulfill and tell us. So the Day of Atonement is important to you and I because it's a shadow of what was to come to be fulfilled by Christ. Hebrews 10.1 says, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, not the realities of them themselves. So the Bible talks about the fact that that's what the law in the Old Testament was. The Day of Atonement was a prophetic act. There are numerous, more times, more than we have time for, numerous prophecies of what Jesus' death would do for mankind. What it would make available to us if we would believe and accept it by faith. The second reason that the Day of Atonement is important to us is it reminds us of what Christ did for us on the cross. If the, if the Day of Atonement was a shadow of what Christ would do, then we got to look at what He actually did. And when we see what He did, we see that as, as God set up the, the, the regulations for the, what the priest was supposed to do on the Day of Atonement, it was pointing to what Jesus did, because the Bible says he's our great high priest. The book of Hebrews says that he is, he is the greatest priest um, in the order of Melchizedek, that, that he, he did everything that needed to be done, and there's no need for any more sacrifices. That's what the Day of Atonement shows us. Now, what happened on the Day of Atonement? Let's look at Leviticus 16 in depth um, real quick here. Verse 3, Leviticus 16, 3. Then Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering and of a ram as a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash and with the linen turban he shall be attired. These are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. So, Here's what happened on the Day of Atonement. God gave Moses these instructions and set it up. The high priest had a huge role in this. And one of the first things he did was take a bath. That's what it says. It says he will wash himself. In fact, if you, if you dig, dig into this deeper and look at the actual, what became the, the tradition for the priest, he would wash himself five, he would take a bath five times that day. And he would wash both his hands and feet ten times that day. Okay? Now, this is symbolic of the cleansing of our lives that takes place because of what Jesus did. What does 1 John 1, 9 says? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when the priest was instructed by, by Moses to take a bath, to wash himself before he went and presented himself before God, it was a symbolic washing and cleaning. Now, we know that the blood of Jesus is what cleanses us from our sins, but we still have a responsibility to live holy. We still have a responsibility to live righteously before God. We still have a responsibility to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, if you will. To allow ourselves, our minds to be washed by the water of the word, Paul says. Okay? Okay? So the, the first thing the high priest did was he took a bath. Then he put on a sacred linen tunic. The, the high priest wore very decorative. I mean, they had, it had all kinds of fine uh, embroidery and gold thread and, and, and jewels and all kind of stuff. All of that because you recognize when you saw Aaron that he was the high priest. But the instructions here was take all that off and put on a simple linen tunic garment, trousers and turban hat, what was that? It was a symbol of humility. Lord, I don't come, I don't come before you in my fine attire. I don't come before you with anything that's my that, that makes me anything. It's all about you, God. So so the instruction in the same way, when we come to Jesus, we come before him. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up. Okay? He gives grace to the humble, he said. We're supposed to walk in humility before the Lord. Now, you can put you can set your face like flint as it says in Isaiah chapter 50 that Jesus did, meaning he was determined. He was not going to let anything keep him from the the mission, the will of God to offer himself as a sacrifice. You and I can set our faces like Flint. We're not going to let anything deter us. We're not going to take a back seat to sin. We're not going to take a back seat to the enemy. That we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the redeemed of the Lord and we need to say so. And we can put our shoulders back and have uh, uh, the foundation of the truth of the word of God as our, our gives us a Spine to stand. I'm not talking about becoming a wimp, you know, diary of a wimpy Christian. I'm not talking about that. But when you come before God, we, the, the, the emphasis here is when we come before God, man, it's about him, not us. John the Baptist said it best. Jesus is coming. He must, I must decrease and he must increase. And that's the picture that you have here of what was going on. In fact, um, Psalm 24, verse three and four says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or, who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul uh, to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. So, in this day of atonement in the Old Testament, the high priest takes a bath, he changes his clothes, and puts on something that's simply a humble garment to go. And where does he go? He goes into the Holy of Holies. If you've studied anything about the tabernacle, um, and, and if you haven't, I'll let you know it was divided into three areas it was divided into the outer courts. The inner courts and then the holy of holies, the the very inner part of the tabernacle. Now, before he would enter the holy of holies, though, let's look at verse 6. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be a scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. So some interesting thoughts about this process. So he takes a bath, symbol of cleansing himself, puts on a humble garment to come. But before he can enter into the presence of God, he has to offer sacrifices for himself to cleanse his own sin, if you will. Now, again... If you've not done a lot of study of this, if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to our church, if you knew the sacrifices of the Old Testament, I am so thankful we are not under that covenant. Talk about bloody. Talk about costly. I mean, you had to bring your best. So if you, they were an agrarian culture, so they had livestock, they had, and you brought the best of what you had. It cost you to have your sins not forgiven, but appeased, the propitiation, the wrath of God. It's kind of like. God hates sin. He loves you and I, but he hates sin because of what sin does to us. It separates us from him. It breaks his heart that mankind sins. And so he and no sin will be in his presence in heaven. So God's plan was, I'm going to wipe out their sin. And all the way back in Genesis, when he killed the, when God killed the animals to clothe Adam and Eve in skins of the animal rather than fig leaves, he said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission or forgiveness of sin. Okay, But the sacrifices in the Old Testament didn't offer you forgiveness. It just put you in a, in a holding pattern that you didn't suffer the wrath of God uh, while you were alive or when you die, after you died because you did the sacrifices. But, man, you had to sacrifice for everything. The Lord has blessed us with five acres, and we've got uh, people around us that have animals and dogs and all kind of stuff, and we have two dogs and two cats. And if we were under that old covenant... If my dog left my property and went on somebody else's property and destroyed something, I'd have to make a sacrifice for that. That's what the word says. I, I'm paraphrasing it, but if you read it, if, the, if your bull goes into your neighbor's yard and tears down their fence, you got a sacrifice to make atonement for the transgression against your neighbor. I'm talking you were going to the temple all the time, the tabernacle in the temple all the time, Here's especially if you had problems if you had habits, if you had things that you were hung up with, you know, and you just kept doing them, and man, it's another goat, another lamb, another turtle dove, okay, I'm so glad we're not under that, but understand, it didn't save them, it put them in a holding pattern waiting for what? The ultimate sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the precious lamb of God, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus walking, he knew it was his cousin, If you didn't know John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins, check out the Gospels, because they were, all right? But when when John the Baptist saw his cousin Jesus walking, he didn't say, what's up, cuz? He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful he did. So there's some interesting uh, thoughts about this process, though. Aaron had to do all these things. The high priest had to do all these things before he could even enter into God's presence, But one interesting thing about, his story tells us this, one interesting thing about the tunic and the trousers and the things that the priest wore. They were very plain and very simple, but they had bells sewn into the hymn. And tradition says that when the high priest would go in to the Holy of Holies, beyond the veil, into where God was, they would tie a rope. The other priest would tie a rope around the high priest's ankle. Because nobody else, we read it, no one else is to go in there with him. But he better make sacrifice for his own sins because he's entering into the presence of God. Because if he didn't, you know, he's walking around in there praying and burning the incense. So there's a cloud of incense over the mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant and you can hear the bells tinkling. And the guys on the outside of the veil that are holding the rope, if they heard the bell stop and maybe heard a thud, they weren't going in to get him. That's why the rope was there. They would pull him out. Because he hadn't hadn't atoned for his own sin. Because he couldn't atone for the sins of the people by offering sacrifices till he did it for himself. Can I tell you the application for you and I? You got to know what you believe and it's got to be settled in your heart. Peter says you got to be ready to give an account for the hope that you have that's within you. You can't take people where you've never been. You can't lead them in an experience you've never experienced yourself. You can you, you can try. Well, I, my, my Aunt Bessie way back then told me that I needed Jesus, and I'm telling you what my Aunt Bessie said. Now, I'm not doing it myself, but Aunt Bessie was pretty smart, so uh, I think you should do it. That doesn't work that way. And it didn't work that way for the priest. If, he, if the high priest didn't make atonement for himself, he got struck dead before the presence of God. They had to pull him out, and then they looked and went, you're next, you're the next high priest. Thank you, that's not the job I wanted, but... Because that meant you had to go take a bath, you had to offer sacrifices, you had to change clothes, and you had to have the rope tied around your ankle. Let's move on. All right. All of these very specific things that the high priest would do, they were acts of worship. It caused them to focus on God. When we worship, and listen, worship is not just singing. Minister Micah, uh, Chanel, Toby, our worship team, our band members, they are amazing. I mean, Amazing. And they, they lead us into the presence of God. They get us in the flow of the Holy Spirit. But that's an aspect of worship. Worship is a lifestyle that you and I are supposed to adopt. Worship comes from, the definition of worship is worth ascribing worth to something. People that worship their basketball team or their football team or their favorite food or their favorite whatever, they're ascribing a great amount of worth to that thing. So they're worshiping it. Worship is a lifestyle that you and I are supposed to adopt. And there are very specific things that we do and very specific things that we don't do. Oh, I didn't think Christianity was a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a heart of gratitude that says, God, I am nothing and you are everything. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Nothing that was created was created unless it was created by you. In you, I live and move and have my being. Oh, Father, I is not seen, ear is not heard, nor is it entered into the heart of man, the things that you have prepared. And I'm so, for those that love you, So I'm so grateful for that, that I'm going to live my life with a life of gratitude. Whatever you ask, I'll do. Whatever you say, I'll say. Wherever you go, I'll tell me to go, I'll go. However You want to move? You move. My life is not my own. Do you not know? Paul said that your life is not your own, but it's been bought with a precious price—the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross for you and I. It's all an act of worship, and we see that presented here in this story of how God set up the Day of Atonement. All right, but let's talk about the goats real quick. Oh, I got twelve minutes. All right, let's talk about the goats real quick because I got—I got—I want to wrap this up not just yet but what I'll wrap it up with is going to be really good. So there's two goats that he had to, had to get. He had to sacrifice the bull for his sins, had to sacrifice one of the goats for his sin, but the other goat was an interesting, you've heard people say, oh, they're the scapegoat. They've been made the scapegoat. Where did that come from, God? This passage we just read. Because one goat was left alive, and and the, the, the high priest, after he atoned for his own sins by sacrifice, he would lay his hands on the head of that goat, and he would pray that God would be a, the wrath of God would be appeased, that the wrath of God wouldn't come upon the people that any sin, any transgression, anything they'd done wrong would be transferred to the goat, and then the goat was taken outside the camp and set out into the wilderness to wander in the wilderness till it died. Symbolic of what the Bible says happens for you and I. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far He has cast our transgressions from us. He's thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness. When you and I come before the Lord humble, knowing that it's not about me, it's about Him. That without Him I can't do anything. That I desperately need a Savior. I need to be delivered from my sin. I need to be set free and made a right standing with God that when I recognize that and I come before him and he says, I accept your repentance because repentance is turning. It's a changing of your mind and a changing of your actions. Because you can only do action so long uh, until the real thing comes out because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you haven't allowed your mind, your heart, and your will to come under the surrender uh, to the Lord Jesus and allow him to change you and change your direction, you're walking this way and you go, whoa, I'm sinning. I'm walking contrary to the God's will and plan. I repent. And you turn and you go the other way. That's repentance. And when God accepts your repentance and applies your forgiveness, he looks at you. You're covered with the blood of Jesus you have no more sin against you there's no more transgression against you and the only time it comes back is when you and I go right back to it and pick it right back up and can I tell you for us to the same mind that is the most insane thing to think about doing He died on the cross so I could be forgiven and I could be set free from fear. But I'm going to sit and watch a a movie that causes fear to rise up in me. Oh, I'm on a soapbox now. Y'all got to love me or you don't go to heaven. That's what the Bible says. It says you got to love your, how can you love God whom you have not seen if you cannot love your brother who you do see? Now, you you don't necessarily have to like me, but you got to love me. And you got to understand what I'm sharing with you tonight, I'm sharing because it came from the throne room of God. Why would we go back? Why would we run back? Why would a sane person go back and keep doing the same thing? I'll tell you why. Because there's a war that rages inside us. I am so off my notes. Good thing I didn't give you any. There's a war that rages inside us. Paul describes it. He says there are things that I don't want to do. That's what I find myself doing. This is Paul. He wrote, so, he wrote so much of Scripture anointed by the Holy Spirit. But he says, there's things that I don't want to do. I find myself doing them. And the things that I know I should be doing, I find myself not doing them. Why? Oh, wretched man that I am, there is this struggle going on inside me. And it's a struggle between our flesh and the Spirit of God that comes to take up residence in us when we, get a, when we accept Jesus. And you know who determines the winner of that struggle? You or I. Because I want to tell you tonight, church, somebody needs to hear this, because like I said, this is not in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. The spirit of the living God that comes inside us and makes us brand new, born again, behold, a new creation, the old is past, the new has come. When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside us, he can't live on flesh food. And our flesh cannot live on spirit food. So we determine in that struggle who has the upper hand. Now, maybe you've heard this from me before but just because I mention a movie or reference a movie, KSM students, you could fill in the blank on this, doesn't mean I'm endorsing the movie. It just means that something in that movie caused something to, for me to go, ah, that's a perfect visual of what the, what, what the Bible's saying. There's a particular movie. It's called The Avengers. And in this particular movie, the, the, the evil antagonist is Loki, the god of mischief. And he's confronted by the Hulk. And he's telling the Hulk how bad he is, that he is a god. He's not some puny. And the next thing you know in the scene, the Hulk grabs Loki and does about six body slams on the concrete and walks away saying, puny god. When I saw that, I went, that's exactly what Paul's talking about. That if I'll feed my spirit, if I'll walk after the spirit and I'll mind the things of the spirit and I'll consume the word of God and I'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? I'm hulking up, baby. And when I hulk up and my flesh rises up and says, you need to go do this, I can body slam my flesh and say, get out of here because I'm not listening to you. Now, the same is true the other way. You starve your spirit, man, by not reading the word of God, by not worshiping, by not having a thankful heart, by not allowing the fruit of the spirit to be in your life, and you feed your flesh, man, with all kind of junk. When your spirit, man, rises up and says, don't do that, your flesh, man, is hulked up. And you wonder why after you went back to that thing, after you returned to that sin, after you went back to, like the word of God says, a dog returning to his vomit. Bible's amazing. You wonder why that happened? You got to check out who you've been feeding. Have you been feeding your flesh or you've been feeding your spirit? All right, I gotta get back to my notes. Oh, thank you, Lord. So the Holy, the 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 priest would lay his hands on the scapegoat and they'd let it go and it'd go out in the wilderness, and that represented um, their sins being removed from us. Okay? Day of Atonement. Let's recap real quick before I close. On the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur, the sin of humanity, the Jews, God's people, was dealt with. Sacrifices were performed that would serve to appease the wrath of a holy God towards sin. The high priest had an important role on this day and in carrying out these sacrifices. The sacrifices were were specific and they were symbolic. But there's one more important category of players in this situation, and that's the people. Because not only did the high priest have a role to play in the Day of Atonement, the people had a role to play as well. The people were to fast and not just food. If you go to Leviticus 23, you can write this down and read it later, 23 verses 26 through 28, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also, the tenth day of the seventh month shall be the Day of Atonement. It shall be a holy convocation for you, You shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, and you shall do no work on that same day, for it is the day of atonement to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. The people had a specific role. They had to take it serious. So much so that they didn't work. They fasted from work. They fasted from their normal activities, because on this day, we're getting right with God. Can I tell you tonight, church, and, and, and... I don't say things to offend, and I certainly don't think, say things to meddle, but I say things that the Holy Spirit tells me to say. And if it applies, if the shoe fits, wear it, okay? If that's your coat that you need to put on, go ahead and put it on. We got to take this whole repentance thing and this whole sin thing serious. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you would go. It'll cause you to do things you never dreamed you would do and say things and become a somebody you don't even recognize anymore. That's what sin does. And just like the people had to take it serious on the Day of Atonement, they couldn't go to work, they couldn't go out and work in their garden, they couldn't do repairs inside the house. It was like, man, we we bring bringing an offering, we're bringing our own offering and sacrifice to the Lord, and we're taking this serious because this is life and death, eternity on the line. And sometimes we in the church, we get, I'm just, I'm not saying here, I'm talking about in Christianity in general, we get real flippant with, well, you know, God will forgive me when I repent. And God understands, and God this, and no, can I tell you? No, that's not the grace of God. The grace of God is not a doormat. that you can go out and get your shoes muddy with sin and come back anytime you want and wipe your shoes off on that grace and go in the house and act like everything's right and then go back out and do it again. It's not what the grace of God is. The grace of God is you and I don't deserve anything. anything. Anything less than hell is more than you and I deserve. So the people had to take it serious. They had to fast. They had to offer sacrifices. And they did it because of what the Day of Atonement was for. And here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to close. This is my first landing. The Day of Atonement was, number one, to avert the wrath of the people's sin. The wrath went on the sacrifices on the head of the goat, um, and, and there was an exchange. God would see that, recognize the heart of the priest, see the consecration of the people, and, and until the next Day of Atonement the wrath of God was held back. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.